everybody. Welcome in to Living Waters. Welcome in if you're joining us on the stream. We're so glad that you're with us today. I am Ryan. Uh, my wife, Kate, and I, we co-lead this great uh, community together with an incredible team. And, and uh, so let's begin this morning by standing up for a moment. Um, normally, we're standing up because we're going to worship. And, and as you know, the only proper and acceptable way to worship the Lord is to be standing. Um, just kidding. Uh, so typically what we do is we begin with worship, but today we're going to do something a little bit different. So let me, let me just begin by saying this, though. Everything that we are, everything that we do, everything that we experience in this place, any healing that takes place, any uh, healing of your heart, your mind, restoration that takes place, hope filling you, uh, we, we believe and know that that's because of Jesus Christ and him alone. And so we have the promise that because of Jesus, we have access to the Father. We have access to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And so as we come together, he's the center of everything that we do. And he's the reason that we're here. And, and, uh, and so we want to begin by making sure that that's clear and known as, as an activation uh, of your faith, that you know that God desires nothing more than to make himself known to you today, to meet you, um, and to uh, open up your heart to him. And uh, so um, now, since we're all standing, let's uh, stretch out a little bit, do some, uh, yeah, there you go, maybe toe touches. <laughs> no, don't do it. All right. So as I said, a lot of times we'll lead, uh, in our gathering times, we'll lead with worship. But for these, for these few weeks, you can, you can sit down now. For these few weeks, um, we did this a lot with the Lament series, is that we set time aside at the end for response and for ministry. And we want to continue to do that as we are. Uh, Drew taught last week, he, he did a little bit of an introduction to our, what is foundational to Living Waters, intimacy, identity, inheritance. We've been doing this every year. For, since Kate and I became the, the, the senior leaders, or whatever the fancy term is for it, um, of this church, uh, we've been doing this every January, February, March. We take some time, and we, we go over what is foundational to, to Living Waters as a community, and that is uh, our intimacy in the Spirit and our identity in Christ and the inheritance that we have from a good father and, and, and how we unpack that. And so as we're going through these the next few weeks, we're going to be doing our gatherings a variety of different ways, but making sure that we have opportunity to respond and to, to receive ministry, to encounter these teachings or concepts and not just hear about them. And so this morning, one of the, we're going to do this is that Nisha and the team, uh, Nisha and Pete and the team are going to come up here after, after I share and lead us into a response time and a ministry time and simply invite God's spirit to minister to us and, um, and, so, and to receive what he wants to teach us this morning. Um, and so um, that's one thing that you'll notice is that we're creating that space for, for response and for encounter that we are not simply saying, hey, we taught it, we taught it, we taught it, we want you to get it. We need time to, to receive it into a deeper way. I, I do want to say um, that welcome isn't spelled right. But other than that, uh, what I do want to say... Um, <laughs> Weklome to living waters. Uh, so, no, that's not what I wanted to point out. I was just pointing because a slide is going up there, and the slide is going to show you that um, as we have done intimacy, identity, inheritance every year, we uh, last year or year before last, 
or maybe even before that, I don't know, we created a, a 90 day devotion called Still Life. And what it is is 30 days of intimacy, 30 days of identity, 30 days of inheritance. We want people to not make this into a Sunday morning thing where we talk about a topic. We want this to be something that gets deep into our hearts and that we understand it and, and that we dive really far in. And so it actually has activations every day to help you engage the different, the different concepts and verses that are being unpacked. And so uh, we, we had that as a, hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? Hey, good to see you guys. Welcome in. We, we get to find out who sneaks in late for worship and is just here for the word by doing it this way. We reverse it around. Um, so... Uh, but we want to invite you to go to lwrv.org and jump on there, and you can sign up for that quest. It's totally free, and for 90 days, it basically just each day you can go on there and you can do the, the topic, the devotion that day, and, and do the different activations that are there. Um, and if you ask really nicely, there may be some of those giant magazines that are like this big that we printed. There may be some hidden away. Oh, there's one. Look at that size of that thing. There's a few of those around here somewhere. Um, here and there. So take that quest, jump online. Also with the way that we have done this teaching where for every year we have taken several Sundays and taught, unpacked the scriptures on these different topics. There's a lot of good teachings archived uh, on our website so that you can get on there and, and, and jump in and, and listen to those and find out more of them. And so this morning, though, and, and I do want to talk to you about intimacy and, and, uh, and, and teach a little bit about it, but I'm also wanting to share this morning, use this morning to share with you a little bit of where, uh, where my life is at, where Kate and I are at, uh, where we're going as, as we lead this, this community. We're not going anywhere. That sounds weird. Um, so, but I did want to take this time to just open up a, my heart a little bit and, and share with you some of our process. And, and so... Um, give you a personal update. Um, as we talk about intimacy, we'll, we'll loop back into this, but um, one of my favorite quotes is A.W. Tozer in, in a book called The Pursuit of God. Um, he says, the most important thing about, or what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And that's one of the foundational uh, quotes that we use when we're talking about intimacy is that our connectedness to God is going to be really defined by what comes into our minds when we think about God. If we believe that God is far off, then we're going to struggle in a, in, with distance in our relationship with God, but also in our relationship with others. If we believe that God is very angry and upset all the time, before long, we're going to believe and start to act angry and upset all the time. If we believe that God is is, is very sad, you know, and you, you get what I'm saying. Why? Because we become like what we worship. And so um, what we what comes to mind when we think about God is so vital to us. And that's why we love talking about God in that. And Drew did a great job of this last week. And we're talking about intimacy and how you connect with God. What you believe God is like is going gonna, is gonna to either hinder your coming to him or, or it's going to invite you in. And if you know and believe that he is a good father who loves you and has made a way for you and that Jesus came to reconcile you to the father, that his life and love is a pursuit of you to bring you into good and true relationship with God, that you will feel invited in. And when we talk about intimacy it won't, and, and, and connectedness and unity and oneness with, with God as, as Christ and God are one that they desire that we would be one in community and that we would be one with them. And you'll see some scriptures that I unpack of how close that God wants to be with us and that that I believe and that we believe should be a foundation of our, of our uh, journey with Jesus. And so, but before I jump more into intimacy, I'm gonna try to weave that into this morning, but I wanna give you a little bit of a, of a personal update um, and, uh, and, and for those of you that may not know, 
Um, Kate and I haven't been around a lot uh, recently, and we've been a little bit stepped back from leading and a little bit, we haven't been up front as much, and um, we are walking through a process. Um, uh, for those that don't know, my brother, my older brother, he was 49, he passed away on August 4th from COVID. And, um, and so if you, if you don't know that, I, I wanted to share that with you so that you can come along on this morning's journey and understand a little bit of where I'm coming from and why I'm sharing the things that I'm sharing. And, 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 I, and I just want to say up front, it was completely unexpected. Um, it was devastating to our family. It, it, he didn't have any health issues. He was the healthiest, one of the healthiest men that I know, took great care of himself. And, um, and so it was really shocking. He, he battled uh, COVID for about 12 days, just a fever, fever, fever. And then when he went into the hospital, um, we thought he was getting better and, and, he, and then he didn't get better. And then really quickly and, and pretty dramatically uh, over a course of just a few hours, we got a phone call to go to the hospital. And, and, um, and when we got to the hospital, they, they met us in the hallway and said, he's gone. And it was like, um, just so just, you, you cannot and, and I know a lot of you have walked through grief and loss. And um, for this, it just was, it's been very hard to, get, to reconcile that and, and to, to have that be something that's even true. And so we've been walking through that. And for those that have been around a little bit, you know, we did the series on lament. And, um, and I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you guys as a house, as a community, for how powerfully you showed up and, and walked through that lament series with us and, and uh, just engaging with what, with the healing and the work that God wants to do in us and around us in, in sadness and loss and grief. And not every loss that we're, we're facing is a loss of a loved one. Sometimes it's, we've, we've been through a lot of hard things over the last couple of years or, or, or maybe things in our past. But just thank you for how you showed up in that series of lament. That was about the time that Kate and I stepped back in. After August, we took a few months and, and I want to publicly just say thank you to our incredible team um, that haven't, they, ha they didn't like hold down the fort. They continued to move things forward and to build community and to build health and to, to surround people and love people and bring people to Jesus. And so they, I, I, we will keep saying this, but just we want to say thank you to our team. It's an incredible gift that you are to us. And they continue to be uh, just in full partnership with us um, as a team that's allowed us to do that. But initially after my brother Jeff died, um, we took a few months away and then we stepped back into more active participation in, in Living Waters um, in, as we began that lament series. And so, uh, and we had great speakers come in and allowed Kate and I to, to, to hang back and receive alongside you. And, and so that's been kind of our process. And so for the last couple months, we've been, we've been here um, a little bit in the background, he, uh, not teaching as much and, and, and figuring out what life looks like now uh, and finding that good place of balance. Uh, a quick update for Kate and I. Um, people ask us, how have you been? Um, it's a really hard question to answer. Uh, I, I think that answering it is, it always comes with a cost. For me, it comes with a cost. Like if I'm going to answer it totally honestly, and it's not that I don't want to answer it honestly, but I'm looking at people and I'm like, if I answer this from my gut, it's going to cost, I'm going to, I'm going to like be on the couch later today, or I'm going to have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. And that, and, oh, I want to teach you this phrase. Can you guys say this with me? And that's okay. And that's okay. And that's okay. So there's going to be a few points this morning where you might just want to shout out and that's okay. You'll get it. But like, 
I'm thinking, do I want to answer this person when they're asking me how I'm doing? Because if there's going to be uh, an emotional cost or you know, a physical cost even, it's hard and days are hard. And there's times when if I open up too much, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm done for the day. And so when people ask, hey, how are you doing? I, I'm, I'm hesitant. I get it why we go, fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Feelings I'm not expressing. Have you guys heard that before? F-I-N-E, feelings I'm not expressing. I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, and so I get why we do that. It's not that we want to lie to each other. It's that sometimes we're, we're, we're in such difficult places that to say, oh, if, I'm, if I'm really going to open up my life to you, I want to know that there's a, an even exchange and that you're with me in this and I'm not just burying my soul so that you felt good about your Hallmark moment. Um, so, uh, so there's that measuring of saying, hey, how are you doing? And, I, and, and this morning, though, I want to be transparent. When I'm up here, I want to be able to share with you how, how are we doing. Um, I think we are doing okay. <laughs> Fine. Um, <laughs> we're doing good. And I think that recently of all the different emotions that I've gone through on this journey, uh, just, I've, I've found myself in a, in a steady, solid, prolonged season of just sadness. It's, it's, I'm super sad and Correct. You're doing it. Good job. And that's okay because uh, this is a legitimate reason to be sad. And I'm not only sad for me, I'm sad for my brother who had so much ahead of him that he's not getting to live and experience. I'm sad for his wife who lost an incredible husband. I'm sad for his kids. I'm sad for a community that lost a rad businessman who was super influential. Like I'm sad about a lot of things. I'm also sad because, um, and, and this is just on a personal note, I'm sad because it, 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 I don't know how to find that person I was before and show up in the same way that I used to show up because I'm not that person anymore and I kind of miss that person and it makes me sad because I'm different now and I don't want to be different. I want to be that person that I was so familiar with. And so there's a lot of different layers to just saying, hey, how are you doing? I'm kind of sad. Um, where have you been? I told you we took that leave of absence. We stepped back into to public ministry a little bit more. Um, we had a great Christmas. We were able to take a, a family vacation together the week after Christmas, after navigating the, the holidays, which were tough. Um, and, uh, and, so, and then beyond that, we've been trying to be 100% available to Deanna, which was Jeff's wife, and, and to the kids. And, and so that's where we've been. Uh, how's the family? People ask, how's the family? How's Deanna uh, and the kids? I, I, I've said to people, uh, uh, they're doing really good, and I'm surprised how good they're doing. But when I really think about it, I'm not all that surprised because they had a really rad dad, and they had a really awesome husband. And when you have a great dad, you, it builds strength into you. And though even though this is the most devastating loss I could imagine for them to walk through, um, the mark of a good father on their life is allowing them to show that they have more to pull on. They've got a depth to them. And same with Deanna. Deanna's very sad and very broken, but she's also very strong because she had an amazing partner who invested in her and they invested in each other and believed in each other and built each other up and, and built a beautiful faith that now she's pulling on. And so I, I, I say to people, I'm just surprised at how well they're doing, not to diminish at all the lows and the, how difficult it is, but just to say, man, it may, but it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me to have a, have a great father and husband and, 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 and brother and, and friend in, in people's lives and that people are pulling on that and that's a part of his legacy. And so... Um, they have been broken, they've been broken down, but it's not the end of the story uh, for sure. Um, a little update on the church, where, 
what is the next six months going to look like? How are, how are Kate and I going to lead? Um, we have all four of our kids are finally in school this year, uh, in in-person school. Um, ho- hopefully that remains this coming week and, or two. Um, and so it's been it's been really nice. Everyone's traumatized, like oh. Um, <laughs> So as we have all four of our kids in school, that allows Kate to be a lot more present down here and to be helping out. And uh, I have felt a really strong grace on my life to, as I've talked with the Lord about how do I show up and, and, and lead this community or be a part of leading this community really well. Um, for the next few months, you're going to see me up here a lot more. As, as, as Think of it like a teaching pastor role. Um, and I, I, we do a teaching team here. For those of you who've been around for a little while, you know that we have a rotation of people who teach. And, and um, but for as I as as we've been processing this, um, the way that I feel a grace on my life to be able to be really present and lead this community forward is by teaching and by leading from the front on Sundays. And so, uh, surprise, good news, uh, you're going to get a bit more of that for for a little while. And then we'll we'll work our way back to a teaching team model. But um, I wanted to. To, and, that, and that's okay. Um, I wanted to be really faithful to honor my own process and not try to over to show up too much in, in things that I don't have the capacity or the grace or the strength to do. And a lot of the week-to-week things and, and even a lot of the team stuff and a lot of the different things, we've had such an incredible rising of everybody coming, for, stepping forward. And if I step back in, I don't want to step back in and say, everybody, you know, you go back to this, you go to that, and you go to this, that I want to be able to step in and find a place that really supports the growth and the, and the vision and the forward mo- momentum that the team has. And so just you'll see me teaching more for a little while and that feels uh, really, really healthy and exciting for me. So, um, so personally, uh, how am I doing personally? Here's, here's how I, and allow me today to, to, make, to really make sure that I'm staying on my notes because as I am trying to unpack some, some emotional things and, and process things, I want to make sure I share it with you well and that, that I make sense with what I, my thoughts here. But um, I've been okay with where I, I've had to be okay with where I am, it's okay. Um, But I've also been talking and walking with the Lord through places that I would never wanna go, but that I also know it's not okay to settle in. And so he's taking me through places that I have to go through and it's not okay for me to settle in them. Uh, It's sometimes tempting to settle in our desert places. It's sometimes easy to get weary and worn out. And as God is walking us through hard things and hard seasons to just go, oh, I, I think this looks like a, this is a terrible place, but it looks like a decent place to pitch a tent. I don't want to keep going. I don't want to keep going. Uh, I, I'm done. Give me my tent and let me just live here. I will settle here. And, um, but I have um, that process with the Lord to, to make sure to keep moving, even if it's very slow, and to not give in to the temptation to settle in some of these low places. Um, this is, these are not places that I want to live, but they are places that I know that I have to go through. These are um, places where God is meeting me powerfully and personally. And, uh, and, and, and those are things, those are gems and, and, and treasures that I hold in my heart of that process, but to uh, just keep moving forward as he invites me to. Um, I'm also finding uh, some new insecurities uh, connected with leading and leadership and leading this house. And maybe some of you can relate to some of these as I've gone through, uh, as our family's going through hard things and, and we're trying to 
figure out what all that looks like. I'm asking these types of questions. Am I, am I okay to lead? Uh, am I okay to lead? Do I have the capacity to lead? And um, I, I really never want to stand up here on this stage and put on a show with you guys or for you guys. I have this commitment in my heart that if, if, if it is incongruent, if what I'm sharing with you or modeling for you on the stage is incongruent with what I'm experiencing in my life, I'm done. And if you experience that from me or from anyone on the, on, on the front, that's a place where you go, wait a minute, what we want here is we want to be able to be people of vulnerability and honesty that we share where we're at and we share what we're walking through and that we're not putting on a false pretense to be up here and we're not playing a religious game where it's like, as long as everything looks okay and we're following all the rules, we're good, right? No, if we're dying inside and we're not as connected to Jesus as we're promising people that they can be, then why are we here? What are we doing? And if that's the case, then let's definitely find something else to do on Sunday morning, right? Uh, and that's okay. Um, uh, do I, am I okay to lead? Do I have something to give that's worthwhile? Uh, am I too focused on what I'm facing and not focused enough on moving forward? One of the things that I love about leadership is getting a hold of vision and, and calling people forward in that place. You hear it all the time. If you get into church leadership at all, you'll hear this verse, um, without, without vision, the people perish. Like, that's a lot of pressure. Oh, gosh, I don't want people perishing. So I got to always bring vision. I got to always bring vision. I don't want people to die. Ah. Um, but in this season where I, I can't look more than a, a few steps ahead of me, how am I going to bring vision for, for a community of people? And, 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 and I've, I have to make peace with that and go, you know what? Maybe it's okay to be in a season where this is as far as we see forward. As long as his presence is with us, we don't have to worry so much about, about where we're going. But this is the, some of the insecurities. Um, do, I, do I see others well right now or do I just see my own current reality? I, I don't want to be like sadness from inside out that is like, you remember Sadness? Anybody watch Inside Out? It's a great movie. You should, you should definitely watch it if you haven't. It'll help you. It's worth, I mean, I could teach 100 sermons on emotionally healthy spirituality, or you could watch Inside Out. Um, but the character Sadness is like walking around touching memories, and everything that Sadness touches, it kind of turns into a dark blue, and she's making things sad, and they're trying to, like, don't touch this, don't touch this, don't touch that. Is that that's what I'm asking, Lord. Am I kind of, am I kind of that way now? Where, where he's like, I'm going to bring you a message. You know what we're going to talk about? Sadness. Or I've got a message to bring next week. It's going to be about connecting with our emotions and tears. All right? And at some point, people go, well, what about, I want to talk about our freedom in Jesus and how we're going to take the city for the Lord. You're like, I don't know. Let's, maybe we should cry some more. Because <laughs> that's how I feel. And so it's like, so I'm asking, you know, is that, am I seeing too much of myself in, 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 in every situation? And is that, is that okay? Um, so these are some questions that I'm wrestling with. And I share that with you knowing that it's okay. But I also share that with you so that you know that you're probably having those same questions all the time. If you've been through something hard, if you feel like you're disqualified or you failed or you have a mistake in your past or something tragic or, or has happened to you or, or you're walking around carrying sadness and touching everything and people are like, stop touching it, sadness, get out of here. Um, that you have a valid story and a place and a testimony and Jesus wants to use your voice in your current place to, to, to share the goodness and the love of who he is, even if it's not a completely reconciled testimony of beauty and perfection. Um, so, yeah, you, you may be asking, do I still have a voice? Do I have something worthwhile to give? Yes, you do. 
Do people want to hear from me right now? Absolutely, they do. We don't need to hear from people only who, who, who think they have it, everything buttoned up and everything's perfect and polished. We need to hear from people with processes. We also need people to be able to bear their scars so that those of us who aren't healed yet can look at your scars and say, I know now that there's healing because your scars are healed. Like we have to be able to share those things with each other. Um, so I shared with you um, a little bit of what's next for me, how I'm going to be showing up around here. Um, what's next for me personally? I'm, I'm balancing leading living waters with a larger responsibility to Deanna, to the family, and to the kids. Uh, there's a lot to navigate with personal stuff. With, with When someone dies, there's a ton of things that go, go into just getting things moved through and processed through, especially when they die unexpectedly. Um, and then with business, there's a Jeff owned um, human being Reno or human being stands in Reno. And there's four of them down there. And Deanna became the, the owner of those, but she's not in a place and, or have capacity to be a, to be a business owner. My goodness. Um, hey, Sherry. Um, she's not in a place. To, to be owning a business or to be running a business. She's focused on healing her heart. She's focused on loving her kids. And so, uh, so I'm stepping into that role to help uh, run that business down there and take care of that. And, uh, and so I'm balancing all of these, these different things that allow me, and, I, and, and it feels good. There's a grace on it. And, and I don't mean to say like I'm balancing it. Don't, please don't picture like someone with all the plates spinning and the six sticks. Like when I'm saying I'm balancing it, I'm talking of it in that sense of, of, of being able to say this feels like something that, that God has put a grace on my life for this season to carry um, and, and to really serve Deanna and take things off of her plate that she doesn't need on her plate right now. Um, so uh, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want this to get too intense or too, too dramatic, but um, in, in the process of, as I shared, going to the hospital, um, I, I went back with, with my brother, with Jeff, as they were, they were trying to resuscitate him, and they said, we got there, they said he was gone, but he's not, it's not all the way gone, so you can come back. And, and so I went back there, and, and I was just back there praying, and, and, and was back there for, for quite a while as they would resuscitate him, they would get his heart beating again, and, then, and it would beat for a little while, and then it, there wouldn't be enough uh, oxygen to keep his heart beating, and so it would stop, and, and eventually it came to, the doctor came out and talked to me, um, and, and, and we just made a really, really difficult decision there together. And, and as we made that decision, they resuscitated him again. And I went into the room and, um, and I got to spend a, a little bit of time with my brother. And I don't know if he could hear me or, or what, and that's not really the point. Uh, the point is, is that in those last few minutes, I just made um, some promises to my brother. And I think it's the same promises that he would have made to me. And, and so as my life has, as our life has kind of broken apart, Here's the opportunity that I have is to rebuild my life around um, those promises and those promises. My wife, my kids, his wife, and his kids become the, the most important ministry and responsibility that I have. And that I believe that the promise that I gave to my brother is something that I will carry. And, uh, and that I rebuild my life and, my, and the balance of my life and the responsibility of my life around those, around those things. And it was the same thing that my brother would have done for me. And so everything that used to be non-negotiable, this is who I am, this is what I do, it's all non-negotiable. Those things all get become negotiable. But the things that aren't are, the, are the, what God is asking us to do and, the, and the, the commitment that I made for my brother and for his family, for his wife. Um, and so this is, this is me just living out that process and walking out this process with you guys and with an incredible community that I know is going to be with us um, through it. So um, 
<clears throat> Our family looks a lot different, obviously, uh, but the story is still being written. Um, when Jeff died, it, as I said, it, it kind of tore my life down a little bit, but it's not even about me. This it tore all of our, our whole family, just kind of tore it down. And, um, but we get to see at that moment, we see what our life, what our family and what our heritage, who we are and what we're built upon and, um, how we build, how we rebuild. It's going to be about honoring the legacy of Jeff. It's about honoring the legacy of, of our family, not just Jeff, but my parents and, and generations who have taught us to build our life on Jesus because he's faithful. Um, and so as I'm talking about intimacy today, I want to say this to you. Jesus is near to us in this hard time. Jesus has not left us. Jesus has not forsaken us. And these are not religious platitudes that I simply say as I'm walking along like, you are not forsaking me. You are not forsaking me. Just say it, say it over and over again until you believe it. This is the reality of what we are experiencing is that he has not forsaking, forsaken us. This is the bedrock of our family. And I believe that Jesus will be proven true and uh, through this season and through what God does in the midst of it. God is with us. He's watching over us. And even when tragic things happen, he is at work bringing about our good and his glory. Uh, so before we go too far down that, that line of thinking, let me throw up Romans 8.28. Because whenever you say God is working for our good, this verse, I know it pops to our mind. And whenever we say Romans 8.28 around here, for those that have been around here for a while, you're like, oh, we're going to talk about Romans 8.28, aren't we? Yes, yes, we absolutely are. Because we're not going to pass this by um, without having a chance to really press into this. See, a tragedy doesn't have to be spun as good or okay for the outcome to be good or redemptive. A tragedy doesn't have to be spun as good or okay for the outcome to be good or redemptive. I don't ever have to believe that my brother's death was good or what God wanted or some grand scheme of his perfect will or his wisdom because I will see those things in who God is through this journey. I don't have to turn the things that happened into those things. So Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works together with those who love him and are called according to his purposes to bring about what is good. I'll pause for a moment so you can be like, that's not how I learned that verse. Good. The best way I find to read the Bible is you just rearrange the words and you make it say what you want. <laughs> totally, absolutely kidding. Totally kidding. So I have a message. I have, I've actually got a couple full-length messages on Romans 8.28. You're welcome to listen to those where we unpack the word studies. We unpack the, the original language and the different versions and why the King James Version says it a certain way and why we look at it a different way. But especially understanding that the, the, the king, when interpreting Scripture, is context. Context, context, context. So the context of this verse of Romans 8.28, if you look before it, is about our relationship with Holy Spirit and how we are working together. It's about our prayer life and how our prayer life works together with God to bring about good in all situations. That's the context for me. And so as we are learning to be people who interpret Scripture, we need to be people who first think, I wonder what the context of that verse is. And if we can get context, we're a long ways down the road to correctly interpreting and living and applying what the scripture means. And so Romans 8.28 is different than you learned it as the way that it may be on the board. 
But when you look at it in that context, you see this. There is a participatory, participatory understanding of Romans 8.28 that says this, this way, in all things God works with those who love him and are called according to his purposes to bring about what is good. It is an invitation to presence. It is an invitation to process. It's an invitation to journey, to partnership, to unity with God, to intimacy that we're talking about, and that you get to be with him. He's inviting you to be with him in your circumstance, in your struggle, in the things that you're facing. He's not saying stand back and watch as I magically turn that into something good. He's saying join me in this and together I'm going to work with you and you're going to work with me to bring about what is good through this thing. We don't need revisionist history to be able to do this. God doesn't want to revise our past. He doesn't want to revise our story. He truly and deeply wants to redeem it. And to do that, he has to be with us in it and we have to meet him in it. So listen, the pain that we've walked through, it'll never be good. The loss that you walk through, it will never be good. The trauma, the prejudice, the, the, the hatred, the, the loss of relationship, the abuse, the, the whatever it is, we don't ever have to look back at that and say that thing was good. But we do have to be willing to invite God into these things, knowing that you're in a place where we'll never ask you to look back at something traumatic in your life and say, let's worship God because he's so sovereign and that happened. We won't ever say that to you. But we will say to you, let's invite God to meet you in that place of pain or loss or failure or mistake or disappointment, believing that as he meets you, he will display his love to you, that he will heal you, that he will restore you, and that you will get to walk out a redemptive story with Jesus in the midst of that place. We are not passive who stand and say, God, make that better. We are participating to say, God, this is never going to be better, but how does your good and redemptive story come out of this place in my life? And that is unity. That is presence. That is intimacy that we are talking about. That we get to say, as the psalmist said in Psalm 27, that as we walk out that redemptive story, that we would remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We're not talking about something in the future. We're talking about how he wants to redeem your heart, your life, your story in Jesus right now. So here's the truth as we engage the topic of intimacy. Hard times don't create intimacy or oneness or unity. They reveal it or they reveal the lack of it. And I'm not saying that to be hard on you like, hey, I didn't come to church for you to pick on me. Um, I'm not here to coddle you either. Is that when we face hard things, if we haven't sown during the good season, when the winters come, we're going to have a very little harvest. And I'm so thankful to be someone who I can say, I have spent years um, investing in and seeking the Lord and seeking his face and building a life on intimacy so that as my life is shaken, that I am found on the rock of him and nothing else. My joy and peace and hope is not in circumstances. It's not in things turning out better. It's not in the thing that getting everything fixed. It is in Christ alone. And so as we go through hard things, it's going to reveal, are you a person who's walking in that bedrock intimacy with God? Or are you discovering, man, I was putting a lot of my hope and joy in this circumstance, in this relationship, in this bank account, whatever it is. But we want to be people who are built on that rock. Jesus said this way, everyone who hears those words of mine and does them will be a, like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. 
but it did not, did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. This is Jesus. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus is saying to the people who are listening to him, build your life on the foundation of me. And when the storms come, when everything rages against you, you're not going to find that your life completely falls apart. It may feel like it's falling apart and that's okay. But the foundation being on Jesus is that when that storm passes, you're going to find that you are still gripped in his hand and that your life is still a redemptive story that he wants to use with him. Um, So for me, as I personally process this season, God has been close and quiet. So I couldn't imagine walking through this without him. Um, but we haven't been chatting a lot either. Uh, I'm thankful for the intimacy that I've cultivated, but I've said to people that through this season, Jesus has been near, but we aren't really on speaking terms. Uh, This is how it's been. Like I can tell and sense that he's near me, but I haven't had this urge, at least not initially, to really even talk to him. Because I'm a little angry. I'm a little confused. I I, I, I was fishing a couple weeks after the, after my brother died, I was fishing. I was fly fishing, in case you guys are wondering why I'm casting so many times. And, uh, and I was with a buddy, and I was on his boat, and uh, we were listening to music, and it was just a mixture of songs and different bands. It was really eclectic, and, but a worship song came on. It was a couple weeks after Jeff died, and I, and, and I said to him, man, change that. I don't want to hear that worship song right now. And um, that's not a terrible thing. That's okay. Um, but the, the thing is, is that I'm like, man, we're close, but we're not, I'm not ready to be like, oh, I worship you. I praise you. We're, we're still in a, we're in a process here. We're in a process. We're working this out. And so he's been very close to my heart. But we haven't been chatting a lot, especially not initially. He's been like Job's friends who sat silent for a week before they opened their mouths and screwed everything up, right? He's like the fourth man in the fire for me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's been that person, or as I feel like I'm in this fire, that he's just there with me. And it's been so powerful and so profound. That's intimacy. That's intimacy to me. Um, every worship song that I, that I hear, it creates a crisis of faith. If I'm being honest, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, there, that's a song. There's some, that's, there, okay, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, this is, when you, when I say that knowing that every single one of us in this room, you probably feel that. We're like, let's sing this great worship song. And you look at the words and you're trying to reconcile it with what's going on. You're like, not today. <laughs> Maybe I'll sit and listen. Or maybe I'll just say to my spirit, spirit, listen to these words and rise up until they're true, but I'm not going to force you out of where you are to be able to, to, to sing these songs. It's okay, and that's okay. So this um, sometimes pain, it wakes us up. And being awake means that we're feeling things. Being awake means that we're hurting. Being awake means pain. And again, one last time, maybe not even the last time, and that's okay. Because when you're fully alive, you begin to feel. And when you begin to feel, you have a place where you can invite God into those places to meet you. And that's what intimacy is. Let us wake up. When I am not walking in intimacy and I discover these places of doubt or mystery or pain or fear or whatever, if I'm not walking in intimacy, guess what I'm going to do with those? I'm going to suppress those inside of me and I'm going to dull them or I'm going to ignore them. But if I believe that God is a good father who invites me in, when I have these feelings, when I'm processing these things, I will bring them to him. 
So intimacy isn't just a feeling. Intimacy is a direction that you take when you recognize that something is off or that you're hurting or that you're in pain. What direction do you go? Where do you reach? What is the thing that you reach for? That's an indicator of the core intimacy of your life and your heart. Hebrews 14, 6. We love this verse. We love to say it all the time. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive grace and mercy and find help, that help, whenever we are in need. So my choice then is am I going to go to God or am I going to pretend? Am I going to dim the light? Am I going to play the game? Am I going to get up here and say all the right scriptures and preach and do the things while all the while being disconnected from the reality of who I am and where I am? Absolutely not. The choice I have is to lie to myself, to lie here and here and even here to continue a performance. But we have never, ever been invited into performance. Everything that we are with Jesus is to pursue us into presence. And so if I am going to lie to be up here and be disconnected, then how am I going to be able to show up before God? The most dangerous lies in my life are ones that, one, I tell myself, and I begin to believe them to the point that I can believe them in front of other people in my community, but they get really dangerous when they become so familiar and fashioned to my body, to my life, to my thinking, that I actually bring them before God and don't even realize it. So transparency is an undoing of all of those places as we bring pain and loss and fear and wonder and worry and mystery and joy and hope and we just bring them before God and he meets us in that place and he begins undoing us in a beautiful undoing then we begin to see some of these things that we've belong, believed that aren't correct about God or about ourselves or about our circumstances. We see those stripped away. And yes, we become less and less, but he becomes more and more in the powerful way that he meets us. That's intimacy. I don't want to choose to just bury things deep inside of me. I want to show up real here and I want us to be able to go to the deeper places. I want us to be able to embrace the mystery and embrace the pain and the reality of who we are and where we are. And I want us to encounter the emptiness that we sometimes feel. Because listen, emptiness is not in your relationship with God. When you come before God empty, it is not something that you should feel shame for. It is something that he sees as an invitation to fill. Emptiness before God is not something to, to apologize for. It is something to bring before him because his heart, when he sees you empty, all he sees is opportunity and invitation to say, that is a place that I will fill. Unfortunately, we've been taught to hide our emptiness away from God and always come before others in God and be like, I'm good. I'm good, yay, woo, 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 all the while empty. If we can be honest and say, here I am empty. This place in my life is empty. This place in my life is empty. I'm not gonna be ashamed of it because you see invitation and opportunity to fill where I see empty. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water. Where'd it go? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. Listen, my soul thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for God. Emptiness stirs us to thirst for God. And I don't think we can pretend and pretend that we're okay when we're not okay. I don't think we can pretend that we're full when we're not full. We cannot have it both ways. That lie of self-reliance or that lie, it kills our desperation for God. It kills our willingness to bring our emptiness before him and intimacy and be able to say, my soul thirsts for you, God. Intimacy begs the question, is my life built and rooted on the rock of Jesus or built on the shifting sands and of outcomes and circumstances? That's what Jesus said to us. When the storm comes, where is your life built? 
I'm going to have the worship team come up and we're going to spend time just responding and inviting God to meet us and to fill us, to walk us into personal revelation of who he is, what intimacy is, but also just resting in him and being with him in this time and allowing his love to wash us and to encourage us. Ephesians 3, 17 and not through 19. I'm going to read this again in just a moment, but I want to read it to you. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love, and may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is, and to experience, he wants us to experience this love for ourselves, though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand. So as we say, may the roots go down deep, may my roots go down deep into the soil of God's love. What is the outcome of that? The end of this passage says this, so that you will be filled up with God himself. That is intimacy. When we allow the roots of our life to go deep into his love. We walk in that unity and that oneness that allows us to say, I'm safe to invite you into my deepest hurts, my emptiness, and you are going to bring a redemptive work out of it, that you would come with me and say, even out of that, I am doing what is good and my redemption is at hand. In, in Luke, there's a story that I want, I want us to close with. Uh, it's Mary and Martha. You may be familiar with it. You may not be familiar with it. These were friends with Jesus, and, and, uh, and, and, and they, Jesus was coming over to their house. And, uh, and, and so as Jesus was coming to visit, probably like you and I, uh, they were like, well, Jesus is coming. We should clean up a little bit and, and maybe spruce up the place a little bit, make a, make a cheese board. Uh, <laughs> super bougie because that's how Jesus loves it. <laughs> I really see the beauty of your home. I feel so, so, so welcome here. So they're doing all these arranging and, and, and running about and trying to get the place ready for Jesus. So it was Mary and Martha. Martha had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his message. So Mary chose as Jesus arrived. She chose to sit at Jesus' feet. But Martha, who had been getting everything ready for Jesus, she resented Mary for sitting at Jesus' feet because she was still working striving, trying to impress Jesus and do all the things that needed to get done. And so she came to Jesus and she said, Jesus, don't you see how hard I'm working? Would you please rebuke Mary who's sitting at your feet? It's interesting to me how when we begin to drift towards a life of performance, when we believe that God is somebody who wants us to jump through religious hoops and check boxes, and we begin living that way, how quick it is for us to resent and want to rebuke those who have found the safety and the serenity and the intimacy of just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's like, I'm doing all these things. Rebuke her. What does Jesus say? Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Anybody relate to that? Probably didn't check Twitter today then. If you check Twitter, you're like, I'm worried and upset about so many things too. Listen, we've been, we've been uh, tricked into a lifestyle where we are running around worrying about far too many things. 
getting agitated about far too many things and getting worried about far too many things. And Jesus said, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken away from her. She chose the right thing. You're running around. She's choosing intimacy. She's choosing performance. You're choosing performance and she's choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus. So there will be a time in this series and talk more theologically and doctrinally about how all of this is through Jesus and how we can even come into intimacy because of God's unrelenting pursuit of us. But today, all I'm asking is that you would sit at his feet, that you would come before him real, that you would come before him honest, that you would come before him empty, you would come before him putting aside all those things that you may be upset about, that you may be worried about, that you might be agitated about, the sky is falling and all of these, put that stuff aside and let's just take time to sit at the feet of Jesus and allow his presence to speak to us and to speak over us and to call us into those deeper places that our emptiness is an invitation to be filled. So let's not pretend that it's not there. Let's bring it and let's bring it and allow him to say, God, you fill every empty vessel over you. I pray that Christ will be more, listen to this, more and more at home in your heart. That he would live within you as you trust in him. That your roots would go deep into the soil of God's love. That you would be rooted in God's love. And that you may be able to feel and understand as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep and how high his love really is for you today, wherever you are and that you would experience this love for yourselves. Though it is so great that we're never going to see the end of it, we're never going to fully understand it, but we get to experience it so that we would be filled up 